Demons Discuss, take 26, the one with the boys. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. 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 And what's our topic, Angela? Shadow of Night, chapters one and two. We're finally going to the past. Yay! Happy Dance! <laughs> <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore. Yay! <laughs> it's like it's gone from black and white. To yes, color. it's right, like in the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. I, it's fabulous. I did my re- and I get to be Glinda. <laughs> I did my reread, and I had Permagrin. I mean, seriously, I caught myself smiling because I was listening to the book uh, on audio and also reading at the same time. And it just—it's so delightful to be back. Is it good that way though? Both at the same time? I've never tried that. Oh, really? Like, oh, well, I don't do it yeah. all the time, but I would. Did it on. I was doing it like speed reading, but I was doing it on one point five speed plus reading. So I was reading it fast and listening. I just kind of like you know belt and suspenders, make sure I wasn't going to miss anything. <laughs> oh my god! No, it is good. You, I love you, you you pick up different things. I mean, if you're because you are reading it, but then you also hear inflections in her tone or the way she says something, and sometimes you pick up little things that you didn't notice before because they sound so funny, right? Especially amongst the school of night because they're always jousting verbally and. And you can pick up new things the way Walter says something versus the way how Kit responds or whatever. It's interesting. Oh, <laughs> oh do, but but we got to do housekeeping first, don't we? Or discuss our emails. emails. Yeah. Yep. Right. We discuss sure our do. Emails. Oh, boy. So who wants to start? Jean, you can start. I can yeah. start. I, I will start out with one of our favorites, New England Angela. Yay! Hello, demons. Yay! <laughs> I have to agree that Sun is my favorite book in the trilogy. It is so full of history and emotions, my heart bursts at the scene every time I read the Septuor section. Who? Wouldn't one word, Philippe. But as we start in the new time with Diana and Matthew, my first reaction is why is Kit just lounging around by himself at Matthew's lodge longing for his sweet Matt? Not creepy at all. <laughs> and then we meet the cast of characters in the school of night who, upon seeing Matthew, all ask, Are you ill? No, just a touch of the egg, Jew. Nothing to worry about here. Move along, move along. I absolutely love Diana being out of her element. Her magic is all messed up. She's considered a giant, and everyone assumes she's a harlot and Matthew's whore. While Diana, welcome to the 16th century, can't someone just get a girl a cup of tea, some clothes, and a bum donut? And while we're at it, a little support for the poor girl. She did have just a bit of a long journey. Talk to you soon, demons. Angela. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Angela. That's a good little primer, good little summary of what we're about to dive into. I know. I have an email from Stephen uh, and his... Yay! <laughs> yes, Yay! thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Even on holiday, we hear from him. I know. So he says, hi, demons. Regarding Diana's list of Elizabethan coins recorded in her commonplace book, the system remained up to 1970 when the UK adopted a decimal currency with 100 new pennies to the pound. The gold sovereign had been replaced by a paper pound note, but I was schooled with 20 shillings to the pound and 12 pennies to the shilling. We had a 10 shilling note, half a pound, and the largest coin was a half crown, two shillings and six pence, or one eighth of a pound. The other coins in circulation were two shillings, called a florin, the shilling, and the six pence, the three pence, an eight-sided brassy coin, the penny and the half penny. The farthing, or fourth of part of a penny, was withdrawn while I was still a baby. No voicemail this time as we were on holiday in Portugal. Regards, Stephen. Yes, that, Stephen. Thank that, you. Yes, I love the, the history and I love finding out about it, but just reading it was kind of making me sweat thinking about math word problems. I'm like, what's going to be the, the, the <laughs> what's going to be the ask oh, at the no. end? Oh, no. <laughs> what's the ask at the end? 
<laughs> Luckily, he spared us. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the ask at the end is who got the blue tray in the cafeteria? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in the first chapter, Kit does remark that George is poor and he doesn't have a farthing to his name. So now I know that means a fourth part of a penny, which is obviously yes. very broke. <laughs> totally broke. <laughs> That is lint in my pockets. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's a good it's a good setup for why are these people in Matthew's house? I mean, they're there because Matthew wants them there, but also because they need patrons or they need money or they need it's also friendship and it's also very um they're on the Declaremont dole. Yeah, you're right, right. But it's also like a custom at the time. That's what people did. They hung out together. There mm-hmm. was no, you know, solo activities. There was a lot of communal activity. I should say. And apparently sponsorship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, if it was today, Matthew stickers would be all over them. <laughs> sponsored. Patreon. <laughs> exactly. Sponsored by Matthew Royden. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So uh, I have a couple. Um, okay. We got one from a longtime discusser and first time participator. Welcome to the fold, Ed. 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 Welcome, Welcome Ed. Yes. Ed. Hey. So here's what Ed says. Regarding Shadow of Night, as a professional historian myself, though not an early modernist like Deb, I find that the layers of detail in this book make it my favorite in the series. It's fictionalized, but a realistic look at daily life in early modern England, France, and Bohemia, and not just from the top of society. From Bedlin's Din to the vagaries of international travel, Deb gives the readers a real view into what certain aspects of life were like at the time. The quote from L.P. Hartley that the past is a foreign country and they do things differently there is especially applicable. And it's interesting watching Diana get immersed in much of what she's studied and how Matthew tries to take a second chance he's been given to do things differently, but finds that often he can't or things turn out the same, even though he does something differently. I was actually a bit disappointed to finish the book and move back into the 21st century. Ed. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. We can't wait to hear from more hear more yes. from you as Marcus's book comes yes. out. And the last one is from Lauren. And I am sorry, Lauren, but I broke this down. You had a lot of good thoughts and I'll put the full version in the show notes. But from Lauren, here are some of her points. So in chapter one, she says immediately striking about the first chapter of Sun is how much more active it is than the first chapter of A Discovery of Witches. She also makes note of Kit's jealousy driving immediate conflict action into the story. Then later, the emotional shift slipped from excitement and exhilaration to anxiety and caution. So, and then chapter two, she makes note of this. In this chapter, she notes that it remains fairly static and is mainly heavy with exposition. She observes that there's once again a collective of demons, a vampire and witch, and humans working towards a common goal. She also says Thomas's invocation of Janice as a representative of the dilemma, Janice, which we'll go over later, um, represented two faces. Janice looks forward and backwards. And she finishes off with this. I thoroughly enjoy the imagery of time spooling
unspooling, unspooling in the corner of note, the scent of lavender and rosemary in the rushes, the sound of the bells rolling and the sight of tight blue and amber weaving all draw her back to Madison. This doesn't get fully explained until much later, but it was impressive to see it so fully detailed this early. Lauren. So thank you, Lauren. Very nice. Thank and that you. will. Thanks. Her long email will be in the show notes. It's very interesting. Take a look at it. So are we ready to start Shadow of Night, you guys? Oh, yes. Okay. But I am such a nerd that, and an Jean, I think you're with me on this. I Let's even just talk about the dedication before we even get into the story. It's dedicated to Lacey Baldwin-Smith. Yes. Master storyteller and historian who suggested some time ago that I think about writing a novel. So we asked Deb in, I think, the Reddit interview, why Lacey Baldwin-Smith, and she just had nothing but praise for him. And she said he could describe a story and you could feel as if you were there. And I think that it's, this is exactly what Deb accomplishes with Shadow of Night. Yeah. The, the, the history books that he's written are so well done. They're engaging. I mean, it is more like reading a story. The analysis is there, but it's so vivid. I, and, and in a lot of ways, it's like Alison Weir. I mean, she she takes the history and makes it relatable, but she doesn't mess with the facts. And I think Lacey Baldwin-Smith was the grandfather of all that. And I think he was one of Deb's instructors. I believe so, too. Yeah. But if, if you're into history or even just want to dabble a little bit in history, check out one of his books. It's, it's the Elizabethan period as well. A lot of tutors and a lot of other things. But mm-hmm. I would suggest adding it to your to-be-read list. Yeah. Elizabethan age is probably an awesome starting point because it looks at England, France, and Spanish perspectives. So you get a really good overview. And I just, I adored that book. It, it made, it broke everything down and it made it so approachable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I'm going to have to write that down so I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was on, it might be a book bub again soon because I know I picked it up when it was on sale for $1.99 on Kent for my Kindle. Yeah. Oh, all right. So we begin Shadow of Night in an undignified heap of witch and vampire. A large book is squashed in between them. And since they landed so hard, the chess piece goes flying across the room. Diana wonders if they're in the right place. And Matthew confirms that indeed they didn't make it. So uh, my first thought on this was the conversation we had in our Facebook group. And I'm going to throw that to you, Angela, because you said some interesting things about uh, referring to the ceiling and the Tudor roses. Oh, yes. Uh, in the Facebook group, it was brought up this the line, uh, the roses were obligatory when the house was built. Matthew commented dryly, I can't stand them. We'll paint them all white at the first opportunity. And we were deciding whether it was, for what reason would he say that? Was it political? Was it aesthetic? Um, I thought it was twofold. I mean, and this is just the tip of the iceberg when you get into Shadow of Night. I thought it was a mini egg. Just you, as that's the kind of reader I am, I'm always questioning, well, why would the roses be obligatory? Why were they partially red? If you look into it further, you find out what that means. And I think it's a history lesson. And I think it really lets you know a little bit more about Matthew's past. It also kind of drops a hint as to Matthew's status within that microcosm of society mm-hmm. being the court. And I think it also kind of starts hinting at the tightrope that everybody's walking because it was the fact that decorating in that manner was obligatory to show your outward shows of loyalty were pretty much demanded at that time. And yes, any dissent. I mean, you just juxtapose that with the fact that the School of Night became famous after the fact for being dissenters. Right. It's what this is one of those time loop things, too, where we said in a previous episode that you could actually read Shadow of Night first and then go back to Adow. And if you do go back to Adow, he, it would make even more sense now because he talks about getting the land grant from Henry and having to tear down the abbey. And he was trying to, on the sly, save a few Catholic symbols. So that also ties into it. Mm-hmm. And just the art and the artist in mm-hmm. general. But even more so with that statement about the rose. 
Moses, it, it comes back to the fact that at the very beginning when they land in the heap and she's like, are we in the right place? And Matthew goes, yes, we are. And then he goes home. I could, all, I could almost and feel then like a sigh, th- like, ah, I'm home. Yeah. And then he's talking about, yeah, well, we'll change these over to white as soon as we get a chance. It's like, he's settling in already. Yes. I mean, he's talking about redecorating <laughs> and, and making things more to his liking. It's like, dude, this is supposed to be a quick in and out trip. I mean, that's our very first hint that it's going to be like, it well, second hint after the fact that, it, yeah, it, second hint after the fact that the book's 600 pages long that, oh, this is not going to be a quick in and no, out trip. No, it's almost subconscious <laughs> that he wants to go native. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's already down with all this. And then we meet Kit. Before we get to Kit, I wanted to like uh, mention that Diana says this is the first time she's happy to be a witch. And she doesn't think like I do at all. I'm like, uh, you're happy because you can time walk and see all these things in the past. I'm like, I would have been happy to be a witch early on and then like, you know, because she did use her witchcraft when she needed it, like with a washer and the dryer. I'm like, I would have been mm-hmm. using that all. She just thinks differently than me. I'm like, you're happy now? Really? <laughs> I don't know. I almost feel like the historian in her was talking that she's happy to be a witch. Not that she, that, that the witch was saying, I'm happy to be a witch, but because I'm a historian, this is great that I have all these powers. Um, now I get to go back in time and interview everyone and everyone's going to tell me everything. And I think that was her naive plan too. But I, I really think that was the historian in her talking, not the witch. Well, and the thing is that that comment also kind of really cements her as a tourist. She thinks this is like a fun little yep. trip and no oh, blah, blah, blah. And she's very much the tourist. And Matthew's like, I'm home. Yeah. 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 Talk, talk about divergent mindsets. Yeah. I, <laughs> Diana's a weird one You know, sometimes. everything's going to be jolly and fun and Matthew and I are just going to, you know, go to the exchange <laughs> and go see a play and, you know, have fun. I, I don't know. I, I kind of no. like that she was naive about it because as each bubble got popped, <laughs> it's like it was, it, was, it was fun for the reader. <laughs> and that's a whole funny thing about it, too, is because Discovery of Witches was about them being in their little bubble of first blushes of love and bubble is a couple <laughs> and that bubble pops in the first five pages of this book with yeah, Kit. Yes, when yeah. she's whole, wholeheartedly I mean, sick of him within 24 hours <laughs> and it and it's been like two. <laughs> was obliterated yeah. because everybody assumes she's a whore that worse yet, she was like the novelty whore from the brothel. <laughs> yeah. And the thing was that struck me was Kit's comment about you're a giant. Most of Matthew's whores are small and delicate. Yeah. Most of Matthew's horrors? Yeah, this is so... This isn't the first time? (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute. And then he's talking about, remember... remember, uh, Black Friar's best. Yeah, Black Friar's best. Let's not even... What was going on there? With Kit involved, especially. It's like, almost reminds me of... Yeah. I mean, it almost reminds me of the Juliet (laughs) Matthew stalking the woman. I mean, not that they were, like, being that malicious, but for Kit to be involved and, like, what was going on? Mm. Uh, Yeah, I've got an idea, but... That's well. We'll do that at the end of the show when people can tune out if they don't want to hear the after dark <laughs> interpretation of that. Kit rifling around in Matthew's things. This reread for me made me realize what turned me off about Kit right away. I'm a very private person. You don't rifle through my mm-hmm. purse. You don't rifle through my desk. You don't rifle through anything. So when I'm watching this dude just going through all of Matthew's mm-hmm. shit, I'm like, what the fuck? So immediately I realized this turned me against Kit right away. And it's just my own personal reaction. Mm-hmm. So initially that sets things off for me. 
Well, and the funny thing is, is he's no he's no different than Baldwin in Book of Life. He barges yeah. right in and invades their privacy right away, and it, down to the flinging back the curtain in, in uh, Chapter Two when he drags Tommy Harriet in there too. But nobody was offended by well, they were offended by Kip, but for different reasons because I think they're offended by the fact that he's in love with Matthew. By the time I read Bald or Baldwin, I already knew Baldwin. I don't know Kit. Who the hell are you, and why are you rifling through Matthew? Shit. <laughs> That's me. I I realized that was the reaction. I'm like, so maybe without these actions, I wouldn't, he wouldn't have bothered me so much. But right away, he just struck a wrong chord with me. And that's why I had such visceral reactions. And if you think about it, Deb was really smart about eliciting that visceral reaction through Mm -hmm. Kit with all of her readers because that definitively pops the bubble. That sets the stage. I think if Kit would have been nicer and a little bit more welcoming, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, Matthew catches him. He doesn't. He's not even that bothered. But I think Jean, you brought up the good point in the panel, and you said who who hasn't like driven by their ex boyfriends or their crush's house to see if they're mowing the lawn. I mean, that's kind of like what Kit was doing. He's like touching Matthew's stuff. Like, oh, where are you, Matt? You know, yeah. it's kind of that. As soon as he heard his voice, he just lights yes. up. His yeah. face lights up with joy. Yes. So we note that Diana re- recognizes Kit from her copy of the Jew of Malta, which, as an aside, is supposedly an inspiration piece for Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice, which I didn't know, but Devin schooled me on this, being the (laughs) Shakespeare person that she is. And then I realized Mm -hmm. William is a magpie. So yes, there we go. He's a, he's a thief. Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. Well, according to Kit, a thief and a hack. Yeah. And, a hack. <laughs> and Matthew disproves, uh, was it Matthew or Walter dis- disproves of his use of meter? Walter. Yes, yeah. Walter. And then Diana, we watched Diana trying to understand Elizabethan English, which was, you know, I, I guess I would relate to that. And like, are mm-hmm. you even speaking English? What's going on right here? <laughs> but I like that they asked her. The why no beard. Yes, yeah. always. Constant. <laughs> Are you, yeah. are you sick and why no beard? <laughs> yeah. And then the ague. I'm like, what the hell is an ague? So, of course, I had to look it up when I first read this. I'm like, oh, it's mm-hmm. kind of a... I kept calling it the og until I heard <laughs> until I heard uh, Jennifer Akata pronounce. I'm like, oh, it's ague. <laughs> <laughs> the og. <laughs> Yes. So Diana wants to fangirl over Kit. And yes. Kit's like, he starts with his... Yeah, no. <laughs> See, I laughed just like Jean no did. I, I laughed. Where did... Yeah, where did you... No, where did you get that thing? And she turns, looks <laughs> behind her, like, there's nothing there. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, me? Oh, me? <laughs> like I said, I might oh have found God. humor in the foul snort coming out of Kit's mouth, but already he had aggravated me with the snooping. Oh, the, the, the yeah. Yeah. I have no basis Fair I have enough. no basis for liking him. I just do at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I know. This, yeah, it's like and, I, and the thing is I think this snooping didn't bother me quite as much because I thought is the whole oh my god, I'm touching I I took it more as the whole I I got a chance to like snoop in his locker and maybe figure right. out, you know, well, who he's going to ask to the dance kind of thing. Cuz that's how I took it. It was more like he can't help himself. Did I not say mm. in another episode I don't do snooping in real life, but I'm t- 
totally fine with snooping by proxy when Diana was snooping yeah. in Matthew's library. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so if he's a device to let me snooping by if, proxy, if he's a device to let me know more as the reader. I'm for it. So maybe that's how I, maybe that's how I, I looked at I it. I don't it. know. <laughs> yeah. And then another thing, he goes on and to tell on George, man. I'm like, I haven't even met this George, and you're sitting there telling on him. He's eating all your food, reading all your books, and he's broke. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, hello, pot meat kettle. Right. Yes. <laughs> Good Lord. It's like, he's that gay friend where you just like shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, whatever. Because yeah. he is so over the top with this and that and the other thing. It's like, really, Kit? Mm. Slow your roll. I would have been like, but- I'm done with you. Okay. Really? <laughs> I would have smacked him. <laughs> <by my laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I think Diana was just waiting for Matthew yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. It would have been way too dangerous. And it was way too dangerous yeah. for her to do. I mean, it just wasn't done. Yeah. And just yeah. there's a whole lot with her being a witch and paranormal and not in her time. There's a whole lot of things that she had to, she had to school herself plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this first chapter, it's like you're female in a house full of men. You just need to sit down and be reticent. I was think- Reticence a good thing at yes. this point. I was thinking in a Discovery of Witches, Deb creates this world and where you have to learn all about it. Now it, it's like we have the Discovery of Witches world set. But now we're learning a new world almost in Shadow of Night. And that's what life was like in 1590. So Deb's actually creating another layer on top of what we learned in A Discovery of Witches. Yeah. Which makes it realism with fantastic mm-hmm. elements because you don't have a world in a vacuum. Right. And then like you guys mentioned earlier, the brothel remark. Oh my God. Imagine hearing I'm that sorry, if you were I, Diana. No. <laughs> I didn't like hearing it as myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Jeez! Oh my god! And then to find out this is a this is a typical thing, right? Yeah. Oh my word! And how much of it? Yeah, so much for those wedding vows. Yeah. How much of it was Kit though? I mean, he could have Kit. I he embellishes a lot. I'm not saying that Matthew didn't do that. I'm just saying that Kit was extra anxious to reveal (laughs) juicy tidbits like that. But but then again, on the other on the other side of the coin, we've got Matthew warning. I don't want you hanging out with me back then. (laughs) (laughs) Right. With the old me. So it's like, this is true. I don't know how much Kit was embellishing with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that Matthew eventually grabs Kit by the scruff and lets him know what's up. So yeah, yeah. it does. True. It puts an end to it. <laughs> like, well, somewhat. It puts all the brothel comments to rest. And it's like, okay, this is my wife. You need to chill out. He's like, no. Yes, <laughs> Kit. <laughs> We're done. Here's something else I found really interesting. And in, in it also comes into play later on. The message came from Thursday that he was going to be in Chester and might miss their gathering. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, you're here. Well, me being the nerd that I am, I'm like, okay, can he realistically get back from Chester? Chester's 120 miles away from the old lodge. Right. On a horseback. That would take a minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. But then it's, it's going to take a while. Kit said that William Cecil or the old fox said that he was on business. And then here we, I mean, we'll find out later on that he was actually there with Gallo Glass and Hancock. So what was really going on? I know. Like that's a, that's a question I guess we may never find out the answer no, to. No, I know. Yeah. And then two vampires make their way into the room. Oh. Enter Pierre and Francois. One of my favorites ever, Pierre. I love him. Oh, I know. With his under the heap of clothes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see him buried under like piles and piles of fabric and just the legs sticking out. I hope they keep that scene and in, in the series if they do it cuz that is just going to be a nice little bit of comic relief with all of this going on. 
And I, I didn't realize his description until this read. Um, it doesn't matter if, if he is in the TV show. I don't care if he looks the same or not. But it says, one was a slender man with an expressive face, weather-beaten skin, the color of hazelnut and black hair and eyes. I don't think I've ever pictured him like that. But now I will because I love Pierre. Yes. And the term milord enters our lexicon in this series. Milord. I'm like, oh, yes. milord. <laughs> it's kind of like Fortnite. Fortnightly. Fortnightly. <laughs> Fortnightly, <laughs> milord. <laughs> and then Diana notes how Matthew treats people in his service and describes it with a blend of familiarity and authority. And Diana is dressed. Can you imagine being dressed daily like a doll? It's no, funny. Wa- I mean, washed. I can't washed. imagine being washed. Like, dressed. wash my, yeah, wash, you no. know. Wash my parts. Although I have to admit, I, I do like getting my hair washed at the hair salon when I get yeah, my hair cut. Yeah, that's fine, but not my arms that and I legs. Can, and, that I can live yeah. with. Yeah. No, that's too much like a sponge bath with the nurses and being sick. No, no thanks. Yeah, where they hit all the hot spots, you know. <laughs> 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 what was that? The horse bath? <laughs> and that's what they call that's what they call it. A horse bath under the arms and yeah. the you bits go, and you go face you're good to go. Face, neck, armpits, and then you know, down there. That's five, right? Five hot spots. Yeah, that's bits. Yeah. Get the bits. Yep. God, there's a lot of whores and horse stuff in this first chapter to come to think about. <laughs> Who well, you, you introduced the whore bath, so <laughs> I don't think it was described as that. But that's what, it, well, you know. Well, not a, <laughs> but what they did for her was, was that. She's yeah, not supposed yeah. to be that ranking. <laughs> See where we are. Fiona's disturbed by us. <laughs> okay, so we move on from Milord and her hair. Matthew remarks on how her hair is different. He held up a strawberry blonde curl. I love that detail. I loved that this there was a change in her hair to signify mm-hmm. a change in what's brewing. Yeah, and it grew to grew to waist length. I'm like, God, I wish I had that power. I, I know, right? Well, I don't lovely, know if I want that. Curly <laughs> veil. <laughs> well, strawberry blonde would not suit you, but, no. you know. I don't know if I'd want that <laughs> Wouldn't suit me volume either. of hair to deal with me, myself, because my hair is kind of... <laughs> you would be like Diana <sighs> Ross. <Yeah. laughs> oh, my God. It'd be too much. <laughs> It'd be Lady Sings the Blues. Uh, be too much. So they head downstairs and George is like, is that woman speaking English? I I <laughs> but here's the other, th- but, 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 but before we go downstairs, what was so strange was that Francois just like pulled out the mate to the earring. Yep. I was no like, fuss, no muss. Where did Here that it come is. from? Yep. Yep. That's just one of, I mean, I think that's an anomaly in and of itself some way. Yeah, it, it is. Like were the anomalies st- starting before chapter seven? Right. <laughs> and that's the thing with this. It's like, bam, bam, bam. It's one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing. It's like we're so immersed that, you know, you could pass by that earring fact and not even blink. Yeah. Then you have to kind of go back. Oh, like, he did get, she did have ooh. the earring over there. So. Right. And yeah. why was it in Matthew's things? Well, th- that's just it. I was just going to say, we always wondered why it was in Matthew things. But if the time loop is already happening, it's going to be there. I don't know. It's, I, can't, I can't think about it. <laughs> No. no. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess, okay, so here's what gets so weird for me. In a way, the Old Lodge is Matthew's place. And in 1590, I mean, the it hadn't been his home for much more than, what? 60 years? 50 years mm-hmm. or so, maybe 60 years. But yet it, it's accumulating all this weird stuff from the family. I mean, you've got Isabeau's earring, and then the next thing you know, we've got old dresses from Louisa right. from 80 years ago that ended up in the attic. 
back and why is everybody else's stuff accumulating at Matthew's place? It's not like he's a parent and all that stuff you leave at your parents' house. Right. Well, maybe he's hosted him one or two and he did mention that Louisa and Isabeau pack like they're moving for a year. You know, they right. pack trunks and trunks of things. So yeah, that's true. I, I imagine that it'd be easy to, well, I'll just leave this here for the next time I show up. Well, well but then on the other hand, too, it's like you got the 80-year-old wedding dress from Louisa. Why is that hanging out at his, why does he, why is he keeping women's clothes at his, at his house? His, whether it's his well, sister's it, or and not. And her dress that, uh, that she wore to Jane Seymour's funeral was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Conveniently. <laughs> Hmm. It's a good thing. The, the fact that the fact that Louisa went to Jane Seymour's funeral is a question for another right, day. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So downstairs with George, and Kit can't help himself and spills that she's a witch. And George reminds Matthew, but when I went to go write about Hecate, well, okay, so like uh, for Shakespeare, it would just be pronounced Hecate, but you know, it's actually Hecate. And when I want to go write about him, you were all upset. <laughs> Matthew shuts and it down. And then Diana's like, it's, Diana realizes a little old accountant that's sitting there was, wait a minute, that, hey, hey it, that's George Chapman. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. But I don't remember much about George Chapman, which is probably true about most of us these days. I know when I did that piece on The Shadow of Night, it was kind of like, wow, he's like the best poet nobody's ever heard of in modern day. Right. It's true. I think that piece made me realize that. I'll put that in the show notes. It's really good. Yeah, Short, I mean, sweet, nice. Yeah, he's like the poet's version of the original blues guy that inspires rock well, and, and roll. You know why? Be, and possibly because he doesn't. If he did, really doesn't have a patron, he doesn't have a publicist. He doesn't have the funding. He doesn't have the executive producer. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have somebody. He doesn't have an editor like telling him that's not this. You're not writing the market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No edit. Yeah. I mean, I think no editor, no publicist. Shakespeare's biggest skill was probably writing to market. Yes, that's the whole magpie thing. Yes. He picked the shiniest things out of the pile and sort of blended them all together. Yeah. Yep. So George points out that, hey, you don't really like witches. And Matthew's wait, like... Wait a minute. <laughs> now I do. <laughs> Matthew's like, I like this one, though. So... <laughs> <I know. laughs> so much I married her. That ended that. <laughs> I do what I do. <laughs> so by the way, Hecate is the uh, goddess of witchcraft, magic, poison plants, ghosts, necromancy. I can go on. So just in case you were wondering yeah. what that was. She's a badass. Yep. The men talk about politics and George attempts to include her with small talk as condescending as that is to, you know, modern women. But I had to kind of mm-hmm. scale myself back <laughs> and say, okay, this is basically what they expected to talk to women about. You know, the weather, the state of the roads. And I'm no good at small talk. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was just, he was being polite. Yes. And, you know, Kit is somewhat of an attention. Well, I won't say whore. whore. Yeah. I won't. I wasn't going to say whore. <laughs> That's my word today. He is an attention whore. Uh, kid is someone who enjoys attention. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be fair. <laughs> And he offers to read from Faustus. And Matthew's all like, not now, Diana's tired. And (laughs) this really made me think that if Diana wasn't there, Matthew would have been game and listened to Faustus. And they would have been up all night. And I also wonder if, because he was constantly revising Faustus. Yeah. I wonder if there were some really unflattering portrayals of witches in that particular draft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he would have made them up on the spot. He definitely would have (laughs) ad-libbed. (laughs) 
that's what Matthew was afraid of. He would have added some. <laughs> oh, She's kind of like, going, oh, this is not going to end yeah. well. I, I mean, and yeah. Kid is gunning for Diana at this point. He's, and if everything she oh, says, yeah. everything she does, he points out, he's thinking, and Matthew knows that this is going on. He's on a roll. Yeah. I mean, he's picking at everybody. Yep. Yeah. So they go off to bed, and then the next morning, ugh. and there you go. And Kit's back again. Yeah. And yes. that in- can't even have five minutes of damn That peace. invasion of privacy <laughs> that is so familiar back then. I mean, for goodness sake, they used to watch yeah. marriages be consummated just to make sure. So this is like... It, everybody, yeah. and, and then everybody's like trooping in and yeah. out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and I, I, I in this chapter, I just love that moment when Diana, you can see Diana's brains putting it together and she realizes that it's Thomas Harriet. Mm-hmm. The little dark leprechaun-like man was Thomas yeah. Harriet. I just, it's so funny. I found it so humorous too that they're comparing her accent with the Native Americans in Virginia. <laughs> like they're, they're uh-huh. trying to place her. Where, where, where is that accent? It's so strange and it's just hilarious that it yes. just weaves in more of that Roanoke history and Thomas White and Walter Raleigh. Uh, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. All of that, again, this chapter's like, bam. So the curtains open. You get a chance to like get your breath. The sun's in your face and here's Kit saying, well, what do you think? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Like she's, like, so she's some specimen. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like barely covered. Matthew's like trying to tie the neck on her night rail and he's like... <laughs> And the funny thing is, it takes Francois to come in there and get control of the situation because Matthew can't. I appreciated Francois for that. I really did. Oh, I know. It was just like, get out of here, all of you now. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Francois. That was too much. Did somebody throw britches at Matthew, too, at that point? Like, put your pants on and get out of here? No, he was having an argument with Diana and and he gave him his pants because he didn't want him to be pantsless during an argument. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's undignified. (laughs) The pantsless argument. Uh, so, uh, George Jones, George, uh, George Jones, George joins <laughs> in. I mean, he like, they're just on their way out with Tom and Kit. And then here comes George. It's like, oh, let's just invite everybody to the party. Okay. Yeah. But then he's like, hey, Henry's here. He's waiting downstairs. Don't, don't you think somebody should be entertaining the Earl? Right. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And then the name dropping begins, you know, from Galileo. Lord Northumberland and I'm like okay like, oh shit that's Thomas Harriet <laughs> yeah uh, time time to pull out Google and start googling all these yes. names because and Master White yep. yes and the Algonquin and this is when she realizes Indians. she's she's dealing with like yeah. the school of night is this when she realizes that uh, right at this point yeah and then she goes the only one that's missing is Walter Raleigh <laughs> and she's relieved yeah. oh really well, and she's hoping that right. Shakespeare's yeah. not downstairs and that's when Matthew says of course he's not downstairs yeah oh <laughs> Now, Walter doesn't approve of his sense of meter and Kit thinks he's a hack. (laughs) I don't think Matthew approved of him either. No. In other words, he can't sit with us. But what was so interesting about that, as she's putting that all together, well, besides the mad, bad, and dangerous to know part, was when she was putting together, she quoted... Tempest? No, she quoted the the Tempest, but she also quoted uh, Black is a Badge. Oh, yeah. Matthew did. Yeah, and she did, and then he he did, yes. She did, yeah, and and she, but instead of hue of dungeon, she said the hue of friendship, which is kind of a, a precursor to the end of the book. 
fuck. Really and truly. Yeah. At that point, I guess yeah. I took it as, well, if these are your friends, who needs enemies? At least, at least yeah. from her vantage yeah. point, because Matthew had command over everybody. Yeah. And Walter wasn't yeah. there yet. So I think from her viewpoint, it's like, geez, nice friends, Matthew. How, yeah, how is this going to get <laughs> work? You know, that black is a badge of hell, the hero of friendship. Right. Yeah. So she finds out Matthew is actually Matthew Royden. And what you guys think of that? Yeah. I love how Deb did that. I had not heard of him. I know some people in the fandom are kind of upset with the fact that she took, you know, she's got so many real historical personages woven within the story. And why does everybody have to be somebody? I like that. I love it. And I love that she found a way to give Matthew Royden a yes. life. I, it's yeah. so, since he, his didn't survive in history, really and truly. And she said she loves He's filling just, in the gaps. This is a huge gap. And I, I think it's fantastic. Some of the criticism out there in some reviews is, oh, Matthew had to know every single, if they were important, the who's who, he knew them. I'm like, I like that. I really do. It's just like when you go to when yeah. you go to a movie, you want to see handsome actors and beautiful actresses. You don't want to see like some frumpy, dumpy, poor, <laughs> you know. Janitor. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as much as I love Pierre, I don't want to read 1,800 pages of Pierre. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and then she recalls that they're referred to as mad, bad, and dangerous to know. And as a side, we embrace this phrase for ourselves. It's on our t-shirts and website. Yes. Because basically yes. they're of heretical opinions and that would be us. <laughs> we tend mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, <laughs> sneer at corruption. Yeah, uh, definitely me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely all of us. And, and like to shake up the status quo. And scoff at pretensions. That's me for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yes. Get well, down off just your, you. I think that's all of us. Yeah, get down off your high horse. Quit taking yourself so seriously. We're all for you. Even amongst the three of us, we all have a soapbox from time to time. And we're all like, get down. <laughs> 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 Quick, save yourself. She's gonna blow. <laughs> And like you guys mentioned, William Shakespeare is not someone they hang out with because, you know, he can't sit with no. them. Nope. Mm-mm. He's not at the cool kids table, which gives hope for all the nerds in the world. Yeah, oh, sure does. And the wallflowers. And then Francois dresses her and finds the scar and they fi- she figures out why they're there. And what did you yeah. guys think of that? I was, oh, hell. I, <laughs> but then it then it was like, OK, she she shooed everybody out yep. right away. I was yep. like, OK, she's all about keeping family exactly. secrets. This, this is what it means to be it showed the servant side of familiarity authority it's like yeah part of the, you're part of the family but you're under someone else's command yeah. it, it showed the you loyalty become a family loyalist yeah. yeah yes immediately yeah and then then when she made the comment about you know what was what was Philippe thinking it was a bad idea yeah because she derives the covenant as bad law yeah oh she went off <laughs> oh big time you gotta love her Philippe should have never agreed to this I think this is when I was like all right Francois you're my people you're good. Those are big words. Imagine saying that. I mean, I would imagine just saying something negative against the crown that this is almost just as dangerous saying something that overtly against Philippe. He should have never done that. I'm like, whoa. Let's just say I didn't know who Philippe was at the time, so it didn't mean anything. But this read, I'm thinking, wow, she really was outspoken about that. Yeah. And she had a respected position within the hierarchy for her to be able to feel comfortable enough to say that, which made me wonder, yeah. wanted to know more about her. I view her as holding pretty much the same position as Mark because 
I would expect Mart would say the same type of thing to Isabeau if something was bothering her about mm-hmm. a decision that was made for the family and mm-hmm. probably wouldn't suffer any repercussions because there's a connection between these people. They're almost family, not quite. Right. So I always wonder about the servant class. And I know I've mentioned this in other episodes. Well, I think here it's it's really odd. It's like Diana in this chapter especially is starting to learn what it, it means to be belong to a family in 1590. You know, you know you've got to do certain things and behave certain ways. But I don't think she ever felt grounded in her bishop family growing up because she kind of did her own thing and there was all kinds of upheaval. Right. Yes, she had family that loved her, but nobody seemed very connected. And here in 1590, it's like, you belong to a family. It's it's loyalty. It's pack behavior. There's protection. There's, yeah. you do things as a group. You may not always like what you need to do, but it's for the greater good. Right. And we kind of saw that at Septor with Isabeau and Mart, but not to this level, you know? But she didn't buy into it at that point in time, really, because she was still chafing against that whole, you know, Matthew's the alpha here. You need to listen to him. Yeah, it's true. Just from a sensibility standpoint, what are you going to do? You're not going to, who are you going to sell the secrets to? There's no inquirer. There's no, I mean, you could end up homeless, penniless, dead if you would share secrets, especially of the Declaremonts. Yeah. Well, true. you could sell them to the crown, but you would end up dead. Yeah. Eventually. Kid. Yeah. Kit. <laughs> there you go. And, and then we, I was going to say, we go downstairs and we get to meet Henry. Right. I love Henry. I love Henry. Hell. So now we're in chapter two, audience. Lead us there, Valerie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So they get ready to greet the Earl of Northumberland. She meets Henry Percy, and he turns out to be pretty cool. What'd you guys think of Henry? Very cool. Lovely. He, it, it, it was young Henry, too. It's not the Henry down the road where, where he became the wizard Earl and, mm-hmm. and living in the tower, in and out of the tower and all sorts of things. And then and then we get our the first hint of, well, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was going to say, we get the hint that everybody is keeping secrets here, not just Matthew. I, I like Tail. I mean, I thought, okay, here's someone who's least polite to Diana. He's, she's trying to magpie him, eat what he eats, do what he does. And he's not impolite to her where he doesn't ask her any questions that would be prying. It wasn't until I listened to the audiobook that I really fell in love with Henry Percy because he's just so sweet. And you, she, just the way she brings him to life make, made me love him even more. He was very welcoming mm-hmm. as, oppo- he was, as opposed to Kit, who wasn't welcoming at all. Right. I mean, so you've got the two most faint, well, two of the most famous of the group. And, and one is very kind and welcoming and then the other's Kit. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, I like reading about what Francois had to do to prepare to meet him and we learn about the bum rolls I'm like what the yes. hell is a bum roll and then you have to look that up yeah <laughs> yeah. and we learn as an earl he's called Lord yeah and he's mm-hmm. called by his stately name Northumberland not Percy you don't call him Lord Percy, Percy you call right? him Lord Northumberland and Matthew calls him Hell and then we find mm-hmm. out he's hard of hearing and he stutters mm-hmm. and his mother's a pain in the rear end Turgiment no that's not so <laughs> no, she doesn't call her a church, but but he does. He does. He's already telling stories about his mother to put Diana at ease. Right, right. But again, even Hal is why no beard, Matt. Have you been ill? No. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I'm I, I'm wondering what the actual dynamics of that is. Is it because when you're ill, you shave your face, or yeah, it's supposed. I think one of the things you do when you're ill is you go to the barber. They shave your face because I think germs live in your beard. I don't know. Huh. It's kind of like why do you why do you use leeches. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. Yeah. Beards can get messy if you're not careful with them. So... 
I don't yeah. imagine they had, you know, the hygiene standards as we do now. I mean, well, I'm thinking just from memory, what I know. So pictures that I've seen, okay, Walter has a beard. Thomas Harriet has a beard. Kit doesn't have a beard. He has a mustache. Henry Percy doesn't have a beard. And I don't know if George does or not. So I don't know why, now that I'm thinking about it, why is this such a big deal? Well, I think that one, well, Henry does have a beard later on, but at this stage, he's young. I don't know if it's a, a, a grown, as a grown man, you would have a beard. Well, think of the, one of his most favorite portraits where he's lounged. Yeah. And that's when he's still, I think he's in his 20s still, which is actually right around the time of this book. Yeah. I think it was done in like between 90 and 93. So he didn't have a beard then. Yeah. I just imagine Kit's young and he has a hard time growing a beard from the pictures I saw, you know, because yeah. I work with a lot of young men and there's some who just can't grow a beard. Oh, yeah. He looks like that, fu- like the, the peach fuzz mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother's always been like that and he's like way not young anymore and he still can't grow a beard. <laughs> yeah. So. Touch of ague. <laughs> I think I'm going to start asking everybody that. Thank you. Uh, that's funny. So Diana studies Hal's habits and Diana wanted to blend. And I imagine she's good at doing this because all of her life she's been trying to blend as a human. So mm-hmm. that's her natural state. She just tries to blend. Before we get to that, she's observing the old lodge again. And she's taught again, this comes up about the medieval stonework and how Matthew rescued the rubble of the Abbey. I just, I can't, I don't know. I can't get over it because now I see all these mentions of it now that we're cognizant of it happening. Yeah. And it goes back to the whole thing about the chimneys too and mm-hmm. hiring the cousin who worked on Woolsey's palace. Right. I mean, you start thinking about it and it's like, wait a minute, those are all, we're talking about things that are, you know, world renowned tourist historical right. attractions. But these Catholic symbols, the face of a saint, the coat of arms, the gothic quatrefoil, it's almost setting you up mm-hmm. to show you how Catholic Matthew was. I mean, and he's a Catholic in Protestant mm-hmm. or in, yeah, Protestant England. Very Protestant England that has had nothing but religious wars going on for the last mm-hmm. 30 years. And that kind of sets you up like, oh, geez, what is Diana in the middle of? Which we'll, which we'll get to because they start <laughs> yeah. to spin her story, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, oh, so yeah. true. So true. So during said breakfast with Hal, enter Walter. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> yeah, heartbeat. <laughs> A pitter patter on my chest. Oh. <laughs> Gene, it, Cupid just shot his shot his. Dad had once said oh. that women would throw themselves at his feet, and I'd like to think I wouldn't be that woman. But every time he walks in the room, I go, "Oh, oh. <laughs> it's I am Walter. so totally that yes. woman. I will own it. It's Walter Raleigh." <laughs> Even his portrait, which, by the way, looks like Tom Meissen to me, with a huge, humongous rock. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh God, so much so, and the fact that he's kind of a such a Renaissance man, but also he's still got that rebel. Yes. In him. Um, he's still going to do what he's going to yep. do. I, oh, I love it. And he writes poetry. <laughs> what more can a girl ask for? Immediately, Walter assumes Diana b- belongs to hell. He says, if I knew your taste ran into something more mature, I would have yoked, <laughs> lusty I yoked you to a lusty widow. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and she's like, Jesus, I'm only 30. Don't make me a widow already. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, that was so awesome. I thought I was still young. Mature widow. Oh, my God. Overly tall, mature <laughs> <know>. widow. <laughs> Man, I'm just, the hits just keep coming. <laughs> I loved Hal's answer. I loved his answer. And he's like, Walter, go out. Come back in again. Come back yeah. in again. <laughs> and you ask Matthew about his news before this gets any further. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it, it, it was so funny. It was like, yeah, we got to get we got to get hell laid. <laughs> was the whole undercurrent there is like he needs to get laid. 
was he that friend in the friend group? Was he? He's like, oh man, we're going to find somebody for Hal. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I also think he's that friend in the group who's always like dealing with the ladies. And God knows it gets him into trouble later on down the line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's that friend. Right. And so Walter looks at Matthew and is like, oh, shit, she's yours? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was such a that was such a Homer Simpson moment right there. It's like, oh. And then Walter goes on to. Uh, Did you like the comment about Ar- Arabella being 15? I ran and looked yeah. her up right away. The fair Arabella. Yes. Well, who is she? Why don't you share that? Now you're going to make me remember. Yes. I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah. I ran and, and looked she, it up at she, the I time. think she ended up belonging to someone else eventually. But yeah, he did have a, a yeah. soft spot for her, or a romantic soft spot for her. And this is Walter? No, Henry Percy. No, this was, was Hal. Hal. Oh, yeah. okay. He's a lord. I mean, you needed the crown's permission to marry. Mm. Yeah, Arab- Arabella Stewart. Yes. So this is the first time hearing that Walter has troubles in court. And I'm like, okay, when I first read this, this is just beyond me because I am definitely not somebody who delves into history and medieval history in England. Ah, oh. <laughs> this book was my first <laughs> lesson. <laughs> This book was my first lesson into that. So all the court intrigue, it was kind of foreign to me. So it was very interesting. Well, and for um, um, Americans, at least this American, I probably backed myself into the history because you recognize him from grade school doing reports on the explorers. So you recognize him and then you back it in and here we are to his genesis. So we go on to Diane again and she offers that she's from Cambridge and leaves out the fact that it's the Massachusetts (laughs) part, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, Well, here's the one interesting thing about Arabella Stewart. She was in line for the throne. Mm -hmm. So uh, he may have been sweet on her, but doesn't Henry, I would think Henry's Catholicism kind of would throw a monkey wrench into that. And not only that, she probably had other negotiations for marriage going on Mm -hmm. to someone, I don't know, more advantageous to her family. Yeah. Well, not suited, but whoever's going to be more advantageous. Well, the church was also kind of involved, too. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to put that in the show notes, you guys. Yeah. So it is assume that Diana at at one point had a husband and, and kids. Well, not kids, but they said, that, did your husband at least leave you some kids to keep you yeah, company? By 30, dear. she should have had you yes. know, at least four kids and a couple of husbands and two cows. And I can't imagine the look of horror on her face as they're talking about all this. Yeah. And then in comes Kit. Oh, but, but wait, but wait, there's more. Walter's like, well, Matt, you swore you'd never wed. And then he says, well, it took some persuasion. Yes. It's a pity. She's wasted on a cold-blooded creature. I wouldn't have delayed for an instant. It's like, was that the Tudor version of, I'd hit that? I think it was. Yeah. So there's even a dig at Matthew, and Matthew doesn't care. He's like, she doesn't seem to mind, so back off. <laughs> I, I'm just laughing at the way Matthew lets Walter pick very briefly, and then he shuts it mm-hmm. down. But he lets Kit go on and on and on and on. So he indul- you, you think he indulges Kit more than he does anybody else? Well, Diana does. I'd have to agree with her. Yeah. So I think it's a good demonstration of toe-to-toe with Walter versus where he's like Kit, like a little shoe fly, you know, just, all right, I'm just going to ignore it because the more I indulge his bad behavior, it's just going to continue. It's almost like a, a kid who's like, you know, pulling at your skirt, mom, 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 does does anything for negative attention. You're like, if I indulge the attention, it's just going to reinforce the behavior. So Kit comes in and he's oblivious to the whole conversation and he goes to Walter, oh good, talk some sense into Matthew. He's gone and married a witch. <laughs> Thanks, Kit. <laughs> 
I'm not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) He is like, hi, I'm going to drop my bomb and move on. That's like, hmm, have you heard this thing? Now you have. Thanks. Right. Talk about, I mean, we had Miriam the shitster. This is Kit's role right now. (sighs) Oh, I know. He's Miriam times 10. I'm sorry. Honestly, I think he's more like Louisa. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because they teamed up down the line. I mean, he can't stop himself. No. Miriam's very practiced and precise in her shit stirring, and she only takes it so far. It's like he just keeps going. Yeah. It's like, you need to stop for your own good. And he doesn't. And he can't. Well, I shouldn't say he doesn't. He can't. Whatever she says, it's something of worth. If she, she doesn't talk just to talk, she says something and it's something of value or she's going to shit stir. But yeah, Kit is just like rambling, rambling. Let's just always dropping bombs. And then he drags Tom into it, yeah. too. Well, Tom and I decided right away. It was like, I'm sure Tom's back there going, keep me out of this right. shit. Kit, if you gave him a stage, he would say, okay, here are the reasons why I can't stand this woman. Let me start. Number then again, <laughs> you know? keep yeah. in mind that Kit is the bitter, lovesick, yes. unrequited yes. Uh, lover here. Or I shouldn't say lover, but yes. he, he's, he's definitely yeah, bitter. Unrequited love. Yeah, love. Yeah. And then here comes Pierre to save the day and shoo them all into a more private place. So all the other servants running around don't hear this. Right. So they move to the parlor to discuss it further. Yes. I like this part because you get to look at the house through Diana's eyes. You know, the tapestries, the frame paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were they? Like St. Jerome and Henry VIII. And I'm like, wow, just I'm trying to imagine this place. Well, do you know what struck me? And this is probably just me being an ignorant American. It's like this is a private home, but you've got the rulers of the country hanging up on your wall like it's the secretary of state's office or the courthouse. It struck me as odd. Okay, so it's weird, but it's carried on in a, certain traditions because I, I do have family members that the people they revere, they'll hang on the wall. Like I right. have family members that have JFK on the wall. I'm like, really? Right in your living room. <laughs> now Obama, I'm sure. I'm sure they have pictures the of queen, Obama. Or the queen. Or the queen, yes. Well, those commemorative plates of Obama sold out. Yeah. Or Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't imagine them in classy joints. I guess it's just, it seems like a more overt version of the gaudy roses right. to me. Yeah, yeah. So they're all settled in the we'll parlor. We'll stick them in the parlor we don't like to use. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stick them in the parlor we don't like to use. <laughs> So, and then Diana asked Matthew, are we going to tell the truth? And Walter busts in, hey, that's easier. We prefer that. Thanks. And, you know, Matthew, as usual, when he doesn't want to get in, when he likes to hold information close to his vest, he always gets irritated when someone's like, yeah, Yeah. you know, we want to hear the truth. And then the back and forth ensues. Yeah. And more fitting amongst friends. I I don't know why that last part of that, that comment just totally ticked off Walter because, I mean, Walter's saying, hey, you know, you can tell the truth here. You're, these are friends. Right. And then Matthew's like, you forget yourself, Walter? Yeah. There seems to be like some alpha dogs going back and forth. Yeah. Walter busts in and he says, to marry a witch, what were you thinking? And Matthew just goes, Whoa. I loved her. This is this is reminiscent of somebody else's speech back in chapter 30 of Ada. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. friend. I mean, Baldwin, Hamish, and now Walter. What were you thinking? Yeah. And then Kit's eyes roll to the back of his head. I loved her. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did catch that. Because remember, well, listeners don't know, but when I sent you the clip that I sent you last night. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. Of Mark Cuban's eyes rolling in the back. <laughs> like, that's me all day, every day. So. <laughs> Anyways, oh, sorry, listeners, just a little diversion there. But I was thinking this last chapter, Matthew had said to Pierre and to Francoise, I love her. And despite what you hear me say, it's true. I do love her. So it kind of prepares you like, okay, well, he might have to deny his love for her. But at this point, he's not doing that. So still, you wonder what's to come. Right. I love when they come up with the cover stories. They start all planning yes. for backstory. <laughs> oh, God. That is just rich. And then Kit, of course, protests. He's like, I, we shouldn't have to cover. And, and Walter shuts him down. He's like, uh, you know, Matthew's pretty much bought everything you're wearing. He bought my ship. He yep. bailed yeah. Al out with his estates. And you need to shut up, Kit. So which, I, is, which again, it's like the Knights of Lazarus. We did this, this, mm-hmm. this, and this, and you need to shut up. Yeah. And Kit, as many times, here's where my empathy comes in. As m- He's used to things a certain way. So he's getting shut down left and right. And he's just being him, but he's getting shut down mm-hmm. at every turn. Walter's telling him, you need to sit down and shut up. Every- Matthew's like, you need to mind yourself. So, yeah, I can imagine tension building up in Kit. This is not the world he's yeah. used to. Yeah. And, and as this whole conversation's unfolding, what's interesting is how uh, Diana makes these observations about each of them and how Matthew interacts with them with Kit. He's indulgent. With George and Tom, he's always patient. He has a true brotherly affection for Henry. And then Walters is equal in intellect and probably even ruthlessness. Yeah. I mean, there almost seems like his family of choice has equivalence in his family of blood. Because, I mean, for the longest time, like I said earlier, Louisa was the, the brat that was indulged. Right. Um, Walter, I mean, Walter, I, as you can tell, he, he reminds me of Baldwin a lot of ways because he's always like, what's your plan? What are you going to do? He's ruthless. He's in his face. But mm-hmm. what's interesting is that Matt will take it from Walter where he wouldn't take it from Baldwin. Right. And Henry always kind of, with the way he acts, it makes me wonder if he's more like Hugh in that, you know, th- th- there's the affection there. And Henry, in his way, looks out for Matthew and Matthew's always looking out for Henry. Yeah. That's kind of where I, I, I was just looking at it from Deb's whole comment about how the three books are structured and how the override, one of the overriding themes is family. And again, it, it, it's like even your family of choice may have some parallels to the, your family of blood, how you kind of gravitate towards the same things. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're regardless, but you're willing to overlook things from your family of choice because yes, you have the illusion of choice there. Right. Well, they go on to discuss time walking and why she came here and she needs a magical education. They talk about the fact that she teaches at a university. They talk about the Book of Mysteries, which I'm going to assume is Ashmole 782. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that Walter's like, geez, if women were teaching, yeah. I might have gotten <laughs> Yeah. Let me just get a pl- they- plug in in case something happens to Matthew. <laughs> right. He's just hilarious. I mean, some of the things that he says are so off the cuff and, and just, yeah, he's he's the guy you want to hang out with. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. And we're, we're introduced to the new word that I had never heard of where, which means vampire. And previous to that, we heard Manja song, which I never had heard of either. Yeah. Yes. They explain to George why it's bad for the two of them to be together. Kit fills him mm-hmm. in, which is in where's cannot marry. And Walter's like, no, can demons or where's. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and Kit's got no, absolutely no sympathy for her, but Walter shuts him down. Yeah. yeah. It's like, ignorance is an unforgivable sin. It's like, ugh. <laughs> 
oh, I wanted to kill him there because it's like she's just saying, you know, if you're, I get where you came from. I understand where you're coming from, but you know, can you give a little? Yeah. Kit needs to lessen himself in empathy, quite frankly. Yeah. And Kit, he's got other motivations, but I think if you're going to illustrate or kind of personify the hysteria of the time about the supernatural, even though he is a demon, just to how prejudiced and biased you are to other creatures. I mean, he says, she can see what fate is in mm-hmm. store for each of us. The witch would be able to undo our futures, cause ill fortune, even hasten our deaths. So he's that person that would run around screaming fire, fire, fire. But it's yeah. a good illustration. Though. If you had to put it in someone, it would be so Kit. So come to find out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So here's where Tom brings up Janus, like Lauren mentioned before. So Janus being the Roman god of beginnings, gates, transition times, duality, and doorways. And mm-hmm. Janus actually has that, uh, the statue of Janus actually has two faces, one facing this way, one facing the other way. So one can look into the future and one into the past. So I, I thought this was an interesting point that Lauren brought up. Uh, Tom does say that. I mean, it's it's that's fitting that the astronomer would say that too. With one face, Matthew and Diana look to the past. With the other, they consider the future, Tom said, unconcerned with Kit's interruption. So he just, he just misses yeah. Kit, but talks about it too. Yeah. And they go into how Matthew supports all of them and pretty much is Kit's sugar daddy. <laughs> totally supports him. <laughs> right. Well, do you know what kills me in that whole, you know, litany of things that Matt does for everybody, including Marlo, is the fact that he gives you your ideas. Yes. Yeah. That's really stood out to me in this reread because it's like, wow. Well, it's, Matthew. It, it almost reminds me of how we see with Philippe later on that Philippeisms have actually crept out into the real world, like through Euripides and others. And yeah. the quote that's mistakenly attributed to Darwin was really Philippe. And it makes me wonder, well, how many of Matthew's ideas showed up at the end of Marlowe's pen? Right. I imagine quite a few. And it's not like Matthew as a vampire can stand up and take credit for them because by then, by the time everything's published, he's a whole new persona. So I imagine your stuff being used, that would be frustrating (laughs) because you can't say anything about it. Yeah, so true. And Diana brings up the fact that she needs clothing because she's really concerned about blending right now. And Kit, of course, thinks... Mm-hmm. And having and just having clothes. <laughs> yeah. I'd like some shoes. <laughs> something that fits mm-hmm. me. Thanks. Yeah, something that I hadn't, didn't borrow from Pierre. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to not wear Louise's shit. Mm-hmm. And since I'm big, you know, I, I need big and tall shit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The big and tall star. (laughs) (laughs) Kit doesn't think she should leave the house, not surprisingly. But he does have a point here because she does speak very American right now. And nobody knows what that is. True. And then George offers offers to be her Henry Higgins. What would you think of that? I thought that was adorable. I loved it. (laughs) I know. I don't know why she was so reluctant. I mean, out of that whole group, I think I would want George rather than anybody else because the rest of them are a little bit too high strung. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he offered to be her Henry Higgins and her her book fetcher. He's like, well, let me. Get, what's the name of that book? Yes. I'll look for it in Oxford when I'm there. I'll look for yeah. it. <laughs> I thought that was adorable. <laughs> to, let me go check the shelves right, right. now. Right. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, they all seem very, very helpful. For them, I mean, mm-hmm. excluding Kit, of course. They they all seemed helpful, and they were all on board. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, what I thought was kind of sad at the very, very end of the chapter was that that glimmer of doubt with Matthew, which is again back to his self loathing. Like, he doesn't deserve the loyalty and the friendship that they're showing them. Right. You know, when he says, right. is there anything they wouldn't do for you, Matthew? Pray God we never find out. I'm like, Oh, that was that was a great end. Ugh. 
Yeah. It's like, oh my God, that just shakes me just because it's like, God, he's, he just can't. Even being home and being as happy as he is, he still doubts that he deserves it. All right. So we'll end this with a poem, Black is the Badge of Hell, the Hue of Dungeons, and the School of Night. And that's it. For the first two chapters. Yay. That is it. That's one of my favorite quotes, by the way. I mean, not the the Shakespearean one, but the the one that we find out later on. The the demonized one. The the original version. Yes, the original. Quote on the original. Yeah. Yeah. As we like to call it, the original version. So are we ready to go to housekeeping, you guys? Sure. Sure. Housekeeping. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Did you just sing that? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Housekeeping. (laughs) Well, it's either that or cable guy. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You're yelling at me about horror and you're making allusions to bad porno movies. (laughs) Or or Jim Carrey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. That's even worse. I am not a Jim Carrey fan at all. So, yeah, I'll take the porno over Jim Carrey. (laughs) Okay, shall I start with housekeeping? Yes, please. Yes! (laughs) Thank you. Okay. I've got two. The first one is from Lauren. I am working from oldest to newest, but failed to upload the next podcast to my phone, so I decided to listen to this one. I'm so glad I did. My best friend and I are going to the con next year, and this one has got me more than excited to go to Philly. And that was our post-con wrap-up. And then we had another one from Shelley, which, sorry, Shelley, this was after our round two of casting announcements. Oh, I think I gave that one to Angela. I might have given it to both of you then. Oops. Did I give you that one, Angela? Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry, Angela. You go on with it, because this one's really funny. All right, well, Jean apologizes. <laughs> Bye, God. Um, but she says this, uh, first off, Schmexy cracked me up, but I'll see you there and raise you up a DILF. You have an explicit rating, right? Hello, Stephen Proctor. But James, not the porter, but instead the sexy scientist colleague of Marcus's. At least I'm holding out for a scientist and not a revolutionary. Though that would work too. As for prior experience with the cast, Owen Teal is well known for being a class A, not nice man in Game of Thrones. Perfect for schmoozer, not nice man, better known as Peter Knox. Shelly. Yeah, we're catching up on our emails. So, Val? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but Schmexy? Schmexy is a, is a doing of Val. <laughs> oh, Schmexy is an old fun word. We love Schmexy. It needs to be used more often. Schmexy. <laughs> James is Schmexy as well. Mm. So, I want to uh, point out that Shelly used the term DILF, and we're going to assume that means, dude, I'd like to fuck, right? Dad, Dad. I know it's Dad, I'd like to fuck. Dad, Stephen I'd like Brad. to fuck. Oh! Because oh, she's talking about Stephen Parker. Yeah, exactly. Durr. <laughs> I thought dude immediately. <laughs> no, it's dad. Uh, it goes with MILF. Mama, Mama I'd like, I'd like to, to fuck. fuck. I got it. See? I'm dad on board. gets equal time. I'm on board. Well played, Shelly. Okay. Well played. All right. Let's see. I have, you have Al? an Apple podcast review. Yay! Yay! This is the food that keeps me living. Okay. So we're going to, we're not going to let Angela die on the vine. So we're going to keep her going. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I can win. So the title of this review is Best All Souls Podcast. Five stars by Sunshine Vince. Um, This podcast talks about inciting theories about this fandom, updates you with the most recent news about the All Souls trilogy, and they have fun personalities to listen to. Best podcast you can find for this fandom. Thank you, Sunshine Vince. Oh my God, thank you. Oh, Sunshine Yay. Vince, thank you. Sunshine in our day. <laughs> That's oh cool. Oh my God. Where do I send the payment, That is Vince? really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon gift card coming your way. <laughs> She's just kidding, audience. She's just kidding. Yes, oh I my seriously, god! I'm seriously, seriously kidding. kidding. I'm seriously kidding. <laughs> So that ends housekeeping. We have a save it for the show, everybody. We do. You guys didn't know this. Yes, I wrote <laughs> one down. <laughs> so let's do a save Alrighty. it for the show. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. Okay. It's going to be fun. Okay, because Angela and Jean don't know what it is, what I wrote down as far as our discussions that we should save for the show. Our thoughts on the TV images so far. Oh. Anyone want to take that on? Well, from time to time, we get messages, people asking our opinion. What do we think a particular image is if they can't immediately reconcile it with a scene out of the book? And my take is, you know, we're, we're told we're going to be getting different POVs. You know, we might get a Gerbert in chapter one or two um, or three or four and wonder what or see what he was up to and where we never had that before. So some of the pictures don't jive with what we're seeing. And it could be brand new as a TV viewer, not a reader. Yeah, that is so true. And it goes goes directly to the fact that the news this morning as we're recording is that they'll be in Venice starting uh, two days from now, and which is going to be the last week in October. Now, Venice doesn't show up in the discovery of witches at all, but the congregation surely does. So mm-hmm. is it going to be that? Is it going to be something else? I don't know, but I am really excited that we're getting Venice early. And, and as for the people that are quibbling about the divergence from the books, like Angela said, we're getting different points of view just because we didn't see it happen didn't mean it wasn't going on at the same time. Yeah. I mean, good way to put it. Yeah, because Diana, we got Diana's point of view, but and that's it. That's it. And occasional, and you she, know, fly on the wall point of view occasionally. Yeah, very occasionally. Yeah. And the simple fact of the matter is, is that Diana was fairly clueless about what's going on in the world of creatures in the first book and somewhat in the third book as well. So I am so happy that they're filling in gaps and giving us more of an overall view. And I'm even re- I'm very excited about some of these new characters as well. Although I do have to say some of the images are a little bit worrisome to me only because it seems like they're taking witchcraft and horror tropes and using some of those in the imagery and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. This is where I'm like, yeah, giant chicken feet. Why are we talking about voodoo in England? Uh, no. I'm not necessarily understanding this. And honestly, the stuff that came out earlier this week with the spider webs and Teresa and the tarantulas, yeah. Again, it's a horror trope, and I don't know if I'm ready for my beloved All Souls trilogy to go down the horror trope road. But we'll see. In Deb we trust. In Deb we'll we trust. see. In Deb we trust. Exactly. I, I was going to say the chicken feet only makes me think of the African re- versions of witchcraft or the African religions. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, maybe From the we'll Caribbean. See, yeah. And maybe we'll see more of Africa and find out more about that. Maybe. 
I don't know. And it's just guessing. It's like we're, we're getting all these images like that one where um, Teresa's all wrapped up in the spider webs and I'll put these in the show notes uh-huh. audience and her with a tar- tarantula and I'm like, ah, uh, okay, where's this going? Yeah, no. <laughs> right. But then I, oh, feel, spiders. then I feel like a typical book reader like, oh, they're diverging. That's not what the book says. Then I have to hold myself back. This is a TV show. So we figured mm-hmm. out we're going to do something fun when the TV show comes out. We'll uh, do a compare and contrast maybe towards the end of the episode so people who have not read the book won't get spoiled so you can stop it right there. I think that's what we're going to do. I think it's fun. It should be fun. Yeah, I think I like that idea. Yeah. It should be very fun. should be fun. So, um, yeah, the only thing you guys spoke my mind, I don't have anything to add to that. It's fun that we're getting all these images, but as much as we're cringing, it's only because of the nature of it. We We've been into these books for five years, so someone who had just read the books looking this they probably wouldn't cringe as much as we do because we're so married to the story as is does that make sense well and i don't even know that it's married to, for me it's not necessarily married to the story as is but i'm married to the fact that this is so not your typical paranormal slash horror slash vampire genre that i kind of cringe when some of the stereotypic stuff starts getting dragged in yeah yeah I know. I agree. I mean, sometimes I see, oh, this is perfect time of year for this spooky book. I'm like, I don't think this book is that spooky. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's, there's fantasy elements, but there's nothing spooky about this book. There were moments. It's relentlessly unspooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were moments that were terrifying, but not spooky in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we're good there. That oh, was shit. painless. Yes. It was. Last thoughts. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yes. Let's take a break and do last thoughts and things we can't <laughs> let go of. Hey guys, you can find us wherever it is you like to listen to your podcast shows. Contact us on social media. We are Demons Domain and Demons Discuss. You can also email us directly and we are Demons Discuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. You can either do that through SpeakPipe and that is speakpipe.com slash Demons Discuss or you can give us a call old school way 360-519-7836. Again, that is 360-519-7836. Now, here's one thing I want you guys to remember. Become a discusser. Now, how that works is you sign up and then we send you an email once or twice a month. And then we get to talk back and forth and your responses get used on our episodes. So isn't that great? So go to demonsdiscuss.com, fill out your name and email address on that little short form. And then you're going to have to type in a code because we don't like spam on our website. Submit that and boom, you're a discusser. Just like that. No questions asked. And don't forget to visit our home base, and that is demonsdomain.com. Everything we're doing, including giveaways, all of our posts on the All Souls Trilogy characters and settings and news, and our podcast episodes. Everything we're doing, you can find there. Again, that is demonsdomain.com. We can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you on the internet. You guys have lost thoughts. Now you're asking I think I too do. much. I do. Uh, I do. Angela, do you have last thoughts? Or should we save you? No. You <laughs> save me. 
Okay. So, Jane, what's your last thought? My last thought is it seems like the question of the week every damn week is, why isn't Diana going to live forever? Oh, dear. Still? (laughs) (laughs) Asking Deb every week and trying to talk her out of it will not change things at this point, people. If I were Deb, I'd be like, well... No, she's going to die. (laughs) Well, definitely now that you keep asking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in, in... and the, the the latest iteration of it is, is, well, maybe we can keep her alive forever in the TV show because after all, in Outlander, Murtaugh came back from the dead or didn't die like he did in the books, however you want to look at it. Wow. Like, really? I'm back to, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my last thought is, is let her live out her life. Yeah, just because it doesn't match your easy version of a happily ever after for them, trust in Deb. Deb's not going to make the ending of their story. Well, their story is ended, actually, for all intents and purposes. She's announced that their story was the trilogy, and that's it. She's got other stories to tell in the world, but she's done with Matthew and Diana. Right. Keep feeling that way. You can go write some fan fiction. As for when she, when she dies, Matthew's going to follow her. Well, I don't know. The whole Catholic and suicide thing, he tried that once and it didn't work <laughs> out. I don't think he's going have, to have any trust that it's going to work out well for him a second time. So I don't see that as a way of resolving the issue either, but I'm off my soapbox now. Come down. Down, Gene. We can come down from down. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie, what's your last thought? Uh, I have two things. Okay. So uh, okay. my last thought uh-huh. is uh, Deb's got an imposter. So beware people. Oh, yep. yeah. On Instagram? It's, it's yeah, Deb with two Bs. So D-E-B-B, Harkness. Mm-hmm. So beware. Should I not Don't have said that? Don't get taken in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not the Deb you're looking for. No. <laughs> yes, it's not the Deb you're looking for. And as an aside, too, I'd be real careful, you know, blasting direct messages. Not cool. Yeah. Stuff like that may bite you in the rear end. Even if it's from the fake Deb. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and for yep. those of you who have questions, I'll put the real Deb's links in the show notes. And I do have a thing I can't let go of. Uh-huh. I love our Facebook group. Yay! Yay! I love it. So if you guys Can want... Bring, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Go finish up your Facebook group thing. I had just had one more last thought, and it's just a funny... Okay. Okay. Last okay. thought. So if you guys want to join, uh, uh, we'll uh, put a link in the show notes as well. Demonic Discussers. And the word is... What is the word, Angela? It's a phrase. Fucking fire drake. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All you need to do is type that in, and we'll let you in immediately. That means you're our people. Come on in. Yep, definitely. And that's all I had. Oh, okay. My last funny is, is that, you know, we mentioned that they'll be filming in Venice next week. And in the fandom, there's an article from a Venetian <laughs> online or perhaps regular newspaper circulating about today. Oh, dear. And the best, <laughs> the best, worst, most hilarious part about it is, is they have a photograph of Matthew Good. They have a photograph of Teresa Palmer. Teresa Palmer. Mm-hmm. And then they have a fan made poster that they somehow found on the internet from one of uh, our old, inter- well, it's not our poster, but it came about during our old iteration, which shows a Discovery of Witches movie poster with uh, Richard Armitage and uh, Anna Torf. The girl Anna from Fringe. Torf. Yeah. The girl from Fringe as Matthew and Diana, and it's posted prominently at the top of this article. <laughs> oh my god. 
whoever put that article together needs to be fired because that was a fan made oh poster. God. And I believe it was for from what a, four years ago. Five years ago. I believe it was from our, one of our contests, our, our fan art yeah. contest. Our fan art. Oh my God. No editor, no fact checker, no <laughs> facial recognition, the, no, no nothing. It's the campaign that won't die, even though we've tried to, tried to kill it. Yeah. We keep trying to put it to uh, rest and it keeps coming back like a wayward zombie. Yeah. <laughs> oh I know. I know. <laughs> It's that zit that keeps popping up. Well, oh. As much as I, as much as I giggled at it, I thought these poor people, these four people, these four actors, they didn't ask for this. Why are you doing this to them? Not us, that, but the, the, the writer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my word. So Angela, I'm back to you. Do you have any last thoughts, my dear? Not really. I just, I guess it just goes on. Uh, by the time this podcast episode gets dropped, we won't have a giveaway. Well, maybe we will have a giveaway going on, but our current one is something unrelated. Something new we tried uh, with a different book, the Book of Joy Journal, um, and we might do that from time to time. Um, it's not maybe won't always be strictly All Souls related. We do do the All Souls tie-in, but the truth is we love publishers. We have relationships with other um, in, in within the Penguin family. So I don't know. I think it's kind of fun to do a one-off. Yeah, kind of breaks the monotony. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't have anybody asking us. Well, why are you putting this up as a giveaway? <laughs> right. We haven't so far. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> why are you giving? away free stuff. <laughs> you know what? Because we can. <laughs> That's right. And we're gonna, because we love them. Giveaways yeah. are good. Giveaways are always fun. All right. Anything else before we say goodbye, everybody? No. No, I can't think of anything else. I'm still laughing about the Venetian paper. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> You're going to have to give me a link to that so I can put it in the show notes. Oh, my God. Hopefully it's not corrected. I'll have I to will. screenshot it, too, just in case, oh, to save yes. it for Hopefully prosperity. it's not corrected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to screenshot it just in case they correct it. But, you know, I'll put there the link go. to the actual article. It's in Italian. So those of you who read Italian, you'll be able to suss through it. Just, you know. Mm-hmm. Those of you with eyes will be able to see it's not the right picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is true. <laughs> this is so true. It's right at the top. It just tells you the quality of the fan art that people are just like, oh, this must be a thing. You know, <laughs> they just yes. take it off the internet. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> that was a good poster, by the way. <laughs> it was a good poster. She didn't win, though. Damn it. Hmm. All right. So let's say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Demon kiss. Mwah. And we'll talk to you soon audience. Bye. Bye.